0: Good to be with you, TC3. That song just belts it out that Jesus is the answer, doesn't it? He is. He is. Hey, I want to uh, thank you for being a church that that responds. I know that that earlier Jimmy B uh, Biceps, um, he <laughs> we affectionately named him, um, talked about the talked about Hurricane Ian. And some of you, you wanted to respond in more of a practical way. We, are, we get behind a ministry called Convoy of Hope. I was with them um, on Monday and Tuesday when this hurricane was bearing uh, down on, on Florida or had its sights set on Florida. They already had a game plan in play. Uh, they were going to start with a minimum of, sh- of 20 shipping containers. There were trucks already en route, and they were they were staged and ready to go. And so some of our giving goes actually to Convoy of Hope. But we love it when we can go above and beyond, and this is one of those above and beyond moments. And so if you just wanted to participate in uh, some hurricane relief, um, we do that through Convoy of Hope, and you can grab that QR code and, and jump on it. So thank you for being a church uh, that responds. Now, we're in a new series um, called Questions That Jesus Asked. And as the, as the song was being sung, I was thinking, you know, we, we say it a lot that Jesus is the answer, and he, and he is. But if you go into the text uh, of the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus asks a ton of questions. Matter of fact, he asks three. three <laughs> hello, uh, middle school moment there. Uh, he. <laughs> He asks 307 uh, questions in in all. So 307 questions he asks, and then he's asked 183 questions. And so he is a very inquisitive um, teacher who always is kind of kind of using questions as a as a resource. And if you want to kind of break it down, how important questions were to Jesus, the first words of his ministry, the first words recorded uh, that Jesus ever said um, were when his mom and dad found him in the temple, and he said, didn't you know that it's necessary for me to be in my father's house? Like, you're, you're looking for me, but didn't you know it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? And then you have the last words of Jesus on the cross where he's like, he says these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then... At the resurrection, in the tomb, the ladies are there, Jesus says these words. He says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And then he appears to a couple of travelers on the road to Emmaus, right? This is, again, right after the resurrection, he says these words to them. Hey, what are you talking about? And then he engages in conversation with them. And so Jesus uses questions as a teaching tool um, frequently, because we know that that questions, they extract information. If you're a teenager, the last question you wanna hear from your parents is, where were you at last night? Because you know that they're trying to extract information from you and you know that you've gotta get that information correct. Questions help us discover new information. I was watching a movie last night, Eric Bana was the actor in the movie and I was like, man, he looks tall, how tall is he? Six two and a half. That's how tall he is. I just wanted that information. Useless, isn't it? You want information about the Beach Boys? There's a guy on his team. His name is Dan. He does a great job. You know Dan? He makes he makes the live stream happen. Okay, if you're out, if you're watching live, Dan makes this happen. Feel free at any point of any of our services to ask a Beach Boy question, and I guarantee you without Google, Dan will answer that question. He'll tell you when the song was sung, who sang it, who wrote it, where it was recorded, and what album it was on. Like, he'll tell you that, useless information. (laughs) But you can ask a question and get that information. Lawyers use questions all the time to, to, uh, like, persuade. They'll ask leading questions. Questions. We use questions to, to stimulate thought. Jesus asks this question. It's like, what good is it if you, if you gain the whole world, if you win the Monopoly game of life, what good is it if you gain the whole world and you lose your own soul? It provokes, it provokes thought. And then he you know, talks about this issue of worry, and he's like, if God cares if a bird falls from the sky, how much more does he care for you? That's, that's thought-provoking stuff. That's comforting stuff kind of kind of coached in a in a question. Questions they provoke curiosity as well. Jesus tells a story about the good samaritan. When he tells the story, he was like, which of these three people that responded to the samaritan's brokenness on the side of the road, which of these three, which one of them was a good a good neighbor? And questions make us feel also uncomfortable, don't they at times when we get questioned? I remember Uh, meeting with a man for the first time who would later become a mentor in my life. I ran late to the meeting, which is what I would often do because I'm so busy, right? Don't we use that excuse a lot? We're so busy. And I was late to the meeting, and when I got there, uh, he just looked at me and he said this. He's like, he asked this question, which helped me with being on time. He asked this question. He said, what makes you think that your time is more valuable than mine? And I was like, I'm not gonna be late to a meeting with this guy ever again. And the healing process, if you think about it, begins with questions. If you go to the doctor, they're gonna say, what's your name? What's your family history? Tell me about the pain that you're experiencing. When did it start? When is it better and when is it worse? Questions are the key to a proper diagnosis. And Jesus, he asks a ton of questions. And interestingly enough, he's called the great physician in the text of Scripture. With the demoniac, he's like, What is your name? My name is Legion, right? The father of the man, uh, a father of the, of, the, of the son who experienced frequent seizures. Jesus looks at him, and he's like, How long has this been going on? To the blind man, one of my favorite stories in Scripture, where he grabs some dirt and he spits in it, makes mud, put it on his eyes, and then he's like, What do you see now? Well, that's a little, little hazy. He asks the question. Some of Jesus' questions are silly. Like Peter is walking on water, and we celebrate the fact that he is doing this thing that no human has ever done before. He's walking on water, and, he, and he's heading out to Jesus, and he starts to look at the wind and the waves, and he starts to sink, and Jesus grabs him. And you can picture this, like he's right at the edge, Jesus grabs his hand, pulls him up, and he's like looking at him going, why did you doubt? Like Peter's got to be going, not a good time for a question. Jesus would ask questions that are probing of Peter when he had betrayed him, and Jesus wanted to restore him in ministry. He looked at him and he said, do you, you, Peter, do do you love me? Asked him that question three times. Questions bring the healer into the healing process, and Jesus uses questions to help, help us develop our faith, help the people of his time develop faith, because the questions make us look inside of ourselves. When you hear me talk, there's always questions in, in a talk that I deliver, because I think it's important for us to look inside, because questions ultimately draw us closer to God, and many of us, were not being fair with the questions that we're asking because we're not wrestling through them. We're just standing back asking questions instead of staying on the pathway to answers. But the questions that Jesus asked were not so much about getting to an answer as they were about understanding. Understanding the nature of ourselves. Understanding the nature of the situation. Understanding the nature of man and understanding the nature of God and finding our purpose. And so the question that he asks that we're gonna begin with is this question. Would you like to be well? Would you like to get well? And that's kind of a loaded question because all of us have areas in our life where we're probably limping. There might be a limp in our life when it comes to our emotional state. There may have been something that happened to us back in the day. Some of us might be limping in our spiritual state. Again, there might be something that happened to us back in the day or a teaching that was hard and difficult for us or somebody in the church betrayed us and we're limping spiritually. Some of us were limping physically and we're dealing with some physical issues. Some of us are limping financially or relationally. Do you want to be made well is the question that is asked? And if so, how do we do so? Jesus heals a, a lame man in Matthew or John chapter 5. It says in the text, it said, afterwards Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Now, a couple years back, we were able to take a team from here and go to Israel and you can actually go to the Pool of Bethesda today. John is very specific, he's very intentional about what he's writing. The Pool of Bethesda is a, is a little bit north of the temple, but it's actually there. It was excavated in the 1900s, way back in the 1900s, okay? Excavated in the 1900s and and some of, the, some of the doubters were like, listen, this, we're, this can't be the pool of Bethesda because they don't build pools like that. They didn't build pools like that with covered patios and all that kind of stuff. And what they would find is, is when they did excavate it, that they found exactly what the Bible was talking about. And you can go to this place that John was talking about way back in the day. And the description that the Bible uses is very accurate about the five-sided pool of Bethesda and there's deeper and richer meaning in regards to the five sides it goes back into the old testament with the books the first five books of the bible or the pentateuch and so there's a picture of the law right at the pool of Bethesda there's a picture of the law but Bethesda when you hear that name it means place of mercy so this paralyzed man is at the place of Bethesda this place of mercy and then you have Jesus who comes in in the sheep gate, who is the, the, great shepherd, the good shepherd, comes in to the place of mercy. It says, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, would lay on the porches. One of the men there had been sick or paralyzed for 38 years. So the author wants to take us into this man's story. 38 years, he's wrestled with not being able to walk. For 38 years, he's not been able to go out and work. For 38 years, he's had to have people help him through life. And it says that Jesus, Jesus comes into the Pool of Bethesda area and he knew that he'd been ill for a very long time. They don't have this conversation ahead of time. Jesus knows the man's situation just as Jesus knows your situation. He knows the things that have happened in your life. He knows the things that happened way back when that have cut you deeply. He knows the things that you're wrestling through and with today. He knows the areas that are sensitive, and he knows the areas that desperately need healing. The man goes to the pool of Bethesda because tradition was is that the water would bubble up every so often, and whoever was ill or sick with any kind of infirmity, whoever got to the pool first got healed. They got healed. And so he's hoping that his day will eventually come. And Jesus asks him this question Would you like to get well? So picture this a bunch of sick people at the Pool of Bethesda. Jesus stops and focuses in on this one particular man, asks him this question, already knowing his situation Do you want to get well? The question you think could be insensitive because the man can't walk. But I think the question is actually very sincere. Because there are some people that don't want to get well. There are some people, and I had a doctor explain this to me, he said, there were, and this is how he termed it, I've never forgotten it, he said, there are some people that enjoy poor health because of the attention that it gets them. Some people have identities that are so tied to their brokenness that they don't want to be healed. They would say they want to be healed, but their behavior gives you a different picture. Some people are so discouraged that they've given up hope on ever being whole or healthy again. The paralyzed man is so discouraged, he's at this point where he's starting to lose hope. And for many of us, that might describe exactly where we are. For a very long time, we've been holding on. For a very long time, we've been believing. And we're at that place where we're starting to lose hope. And he asks the man, Do you wanna be made well? Do you wanna get better? He asked the question because he wanted the man to realize what he really needed. What he really needed was not so much a physical healing, but what he really needed was an encounter with Jesus. And what I'd say is all of us need an encounter with Jesus. He didn't need the water to bring him a miracle, he needed Jesus to bring him a miracle. And I don't know what you're facing today, You're probably facing some of the same scenarios that I'm facing that are bigger than you, that you have tried to solve on your own, that are mountains you can't seem to climb or things that you can't get through or things that you can't get over. It's not bigger than Jesus. What you don't need is to try harder. What you need to do and what I need to do is trust Jesus to be the answer because our answer isn't in a bank account. Our answer isn't in another relationship. Our answer isn't in this incredible opportunity that may change our life. Our answer isn't our good behavior to be accepted by God. And our answer isn't our talent. Our answer isn't a person. And our answer certainly isn't a politician. Our answer is Jesus. And so I'm asking the question, have you lost hope in that area of your life where you may be limping to get by? Jesus says, do you Do you want to get well? Would you like to get well? That's the question he's asking all of us today. Would we like to get well? The sick man responds like many of us respond. I can't. He just lays it out. He's like, I can't. Instead instead of saying yes, emphatically, I want to be made well, he says, I can't. I want to be healed, the man replied, but I can't. Excuses of a sick man or woman. I can't. I can't. I don't have enough money. I can't. I'm not good enough. I can't. I'm not smart enough. I can't. I'm not talented enough. I can't. I've messed up too many times. Listen, this church is full of people that have stories of redemption that we could tell for days. There's a man that walked out of church this morning. He, he was someone who opened and closed the bars. He's someone who, you know, back in the day, ran drugs into our state. He was someone who, back in the day, got arrested. And he thought that there was no hope for him That God would never love him or embrace him. But he found this church a a few years back. And his life has been forever changed. And he's one of the happiest, most content people that you'll ever find on the planet. He thought he couldn't be connected with God. And now he is. Henry Ford said those words, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. And many of us have boxed ourselves in with those two words, I can't. Jesus doesn't ask us to do what we can't do. Jesus is looking for an opportunity to do what only he can do. If you want some things in your life to happen that only God can make happen, surrender those things to the Lord instead of conceding to, I can't. The excuse of a sick person is, I can't. The excuse of a sick person is the same of, This person in John chapter five, verse number seven, where he says, I have no one to put me in the pool when water bubbles up. I don't have any support system around me, so therefore I can't. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a part of the body of Christ, there are people around you that can help you. There are people around you that will help you and there's an army of people that will help you. Someone else, and this is the excuse that we use as well, Someone else always gets there before me. So the opportunity is always gone before I get there. And somebody else is always going to be the one that has the happy life, not me. And someone else, God is blessing, but he's, he's raining lightning bolts down on me. Someone else is always winning, and there's a reason why I'm not. Someone else. The man's been unable to walk for 38 years. He's given up hope on healing. And... The interesting thing I think about when, I, when you look at his story is he's given up hope, but yet he shows up at this pool for 38 years. Like he's at the pool where healing happens. And Jesus tells him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And that's what Jesus is telling us today. Whatever your issue is spiritually, Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat, and start walking in health and healing. Whatever your issue is, stand up, pick up your mat, and get moving. Don't let the past define you. Don't let what people have said define you. Don't let things get you down. Your problem is not bigger than God. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Move forward. And the question then becomes, what is the next practical step? For the man, it was reaching down and picking up his mat. And then it says in the text of scripture that immediately the man was healed. He rolls up the sleeping mat and he begins walking. Can you imagine the scene? A bunch of sick people are there. Jesus and a crowd of disciples are there. This man, all of a sudden, he stands up, rolls up his mat. Can you imagine the scene of celebration that would happen there? The Bible doesn't depict it, but there had to have been mass chaos that broke out in that place for a minute. That story would have to ripple through the city of Jerusalem instantly because of what Jesus did. And I believe that the story that this man was able to tell is the story that all of us can tell because we were once that man, those of us that are followers of Christ that were broken, separated apart from God, and then all of a sudden we connected with the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, and then all of a sudden our life changed and here's the thing, not everybody's gonna be happy about your life change. I can't figure it out, but not everybody's happy when people start to win, when people rise up, when they, when they leave dysfunction behind, not everybody is happy about it. They don't want you leaving their circle. Keep walking when other people object. Keep walking, keep talking about Jesus and keep on walking. It says that when this miracle happened on the Sabbath, okay, the Jewish leaders objected. You can't work on the Sabbath. Like he's carrying his mat and they're calling it work. It's a violation of the law. They would rather that the man be on the mat for another 38 years than to be carrying his mat on a Sunday. Isn't that putting the law over grace? Isn't that giving the law a higher priority? And Jesus flips the switch. He changes the game in this instant. The man replied, the man who healed me told me to pick up the mat. Listen, when you're moving forward and those people come against you, just listen to what Jesus tells you to do. Just respond how he would call you to respond. Keep on walking and keep celebrating what Jesus did in your life and rise above that Who said such a thing they demanded? The man didn't even know. He didn't even know it was Jesus. And this is a really cool thing that happened and if you read quickly, you don't, you don't catch this part. Jesus heals this man and then he kind of shrinks away. He just kind of you know, goes back into the crowd, disappears. The man doesn't even know who healed him. And I think that, that that's something that happens in our life as well. If you look back on the story of your life, There are strategic things that have happened in your life that you're like, man, the stars just aligned and this happened. No, it was the providence of God. You met this person at a certain time. It wasn't just luck, it wasn't karma, it was the hand of God in your life. There are times when I dare say that you have been protected where something worse should have happened to you but it didn't, it was the hand of God in your life. And sometimes we don't realize the work that he did. Just like this man is not realizing who is the person that did the work. Jesus knew the man's physical situation. And he was paving the way into addressing a spiritual concern because ultimately that's what Jesus is most concerned about. Being paralyzed for 38 years is hard, but being separated from God in eternity is much worse. It's much worse. But afterwards it says, and this is again really cool because Jesus has specifically targeted this guy. This guy goes to the temple to verify his healing And Jesus finds him at the temple, and the temple would be crowded and busy with a ton of people. So for Jesus to find him in that crowd was something very, very special. Jesus finds him in the crowd, just like Jesus found you in the crowd. Just like Jesus found me in the crowd. Like I feel blessed to be called a son of God. You and I should feel blessed to be called a son and daughter of the king because God sought us out, but afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and he told him, now you're well Stop sinning. What he's saying is, listen, you were healed and now you're set apart for holiness. That's the church. That's a follower of Jesus Christ. We were healed spiritually and now we're set apart for holiness. We don't live, act, and behave like the world does anymore. We're healed and we're set apart for holiness. The healing is this gift that Jesus gives the man. It's not a response to what the man does or says or even believes. The healing comes from the compassion of Jesus as is the same with us when it comes to us knowing Jesus. Jesus solves a physical problem to open the door to solving a spiritual problem. That's why you know, I love to partner with organizations that that are in the humanitarian world, but also have a spiritual component to it. Because when you're ministering to people that are in broken states, right, there is this opportunity to solve not just a temporary problem, but to solve an eternal problem. To bring healing at a whole nother level when those two things partner together, the humanitarian effort and the spiritual effort together. Jesus heals his body, but he's more concerned about healing the sick man's Soul. The man went and he told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus that had healed him. And when you and I, we start walking in newfound freedom, when you and I start walking in newfound health, when you and I start rising above, we don't take credit for any of it. We point our fingers up to the sky and say that it was Jesus. You would think that the savior of the world would come demanding, but instead the savior of the world comes to a broken man and he asks this question, would you like to get well? What can I do for you? And what Jesus wants to do for all of us is connect us with the life-changing power that only he brings. If you haven't established a relationship with Jesus, today is a good day to do that. And you do that by simply surrendering your heart and your life to him. By saying, Jesus, I put you on the throne of my life. I received what was done on the cross. When you died and rose again, you did that for me because my sin separated me from my relationship with God the Father. You accept that as being done for you. You ask for that forgiveness and you receive that forgiveness. You put him on the throne of your life. And it says in the text of scripture that at that moment, you and I become new creations in Christ, forever changed and forever his kid. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, I pray it would be a holy moment for some of us that have been walking in poor health. I pray that this moment would be a time where we would surrender whatever the issue is to you, whatever the impossibility is to you, whoever the person is to you. Father, you're Lord over all and you're certainly Lord over our situation. And so we don't concede, we don't surrender we ask that you, dear Lord, would intervene in a way that only you could intervene. Heal sick people that are in our life that we're in connected relationship with. Heal parts of our lives that are broken. Heal our mental state. Heal our, our spiritual state. Heal our physical state, God. Do what only you can do, and we will give you the glory, and we will rise up, and we will walk, and we'll tell the story. In your name we pray and receive. Amen.